The following podcast contains explicit language. Hi, this is Dana Stevens, Slate's movie critic, and I'm here with a Slate spoiler special podcast on the movie Choke, the recent Clark Gregg written and directed movie based on a novel by Chuck Palahniuk. Joining me in the studio is Dan Coyce, a contributing writer to New York Magazine. Hi, Dan. Hi. So let's take it away with a quick, quick plot description of Choke. Then we have a major spoiler, which will kick off a discussion, I think a good discussion of, of the movie and how twists tend to work in these, these Palahniuk stories, right? Mm-hmm. Always a big twist at the end. Okay, so we start off in Choke with the, uh, the key choker, the uh, protagonist. What's, what's his name? Victor Mancini. Victor played by Sam Rockwell, who has a bunch of things going on in his life at the same time. He's a he's a sex addict enrolled in a 12-step program for sex addiction. Unsuccessfully right? enrolled, it must be added, as he spends most of his time at the 12-step meetings having sex. Right. He ducks out with the with the young lady he sponsors for a quick quick grope in the hallway. He also has two jobs. He works days at a kind of colonial theme park. It's not quite clear where this is, but it sort of seems like something, a Williamsburg, Virginia type theme park with people in faux 18th century garb. Right. It's some kind of low rent Williamsburg that is nonetheless within reach of the uh, Metropolitan Transit Authority's bus service. Right. Oh, that's right. Because they are in the general New York area, I suppose. So that's his day job. And his sort of sideline is that he pretends to choke. This is where the title comes from. Pretends to choke in upscale restaurants in the hope that some benevolent patron will come along, perform the Heimlich maneuver, and then feel sorry for him and give him money for the rest of his life. Right. And in fact, he, he actually literally does choke. There are numerous gruesome scenes of him shoving enormous wads of food, food down his is throat. Is the idea supposed to be that he is actually risking his own life each time he fakes choking? Yes. We are so they're really to, performing the Heimlich maneuver? He's are, not just spitting out the, the food? Yes. We are meant to believe that he is literally choking and near death at every time, but such is his mutual desires for money and human connection that he is willing to risk that in order to be given the Heimlich maneuver by wealthy strangers. Which pretty much points up the key the key element of Victor's character, which is that he's this wildly self-destructive kind of dead-end loser guy. Desperate who, for a connection with some other human being. Who, even if you I want think to even in voiceover, himself. he admits this somewhat heavy-handedly in the voiceover that it is more for the human connection that he does right. this choking thing. Right. Okay, so, so as the story develops, his mother, played by Angelica Houston, is kind of withering away in this um, old folks home. She has dementia. We're meant to believe that she was at one time some kind of non-specific 60s radical um, who was on the run from Johnny Law for quite some time, often on the run with her son, often on the run without her son as he was often given over to foster care. In visiting her in the hospital, he becomes obsessed with the fact that she seems not to recognize him anymore and constantly laments to Victor that her son Victor won't visit anymore, even as she believes that he is one of the various doctors and and lawyers from throughout her long and checkered life. He befriends another, um, uh, he befriends who he believes to be a doctor at the institution played by Kelly MacDonald, who tells him of a possible experimental treatment that could save his mother's mind and life from her non-specified illness, um, but it would require her to be pregnant with Victor's child. So then a lot of um, unsuccessful sex. Right, because then Victor, the sex on. addict, suddenly finds himself impotent only with this this one woman, this doctor. And here's where the story started to really spiral out of control for me because, well, should we just get to our twist now? Sure. Well, the, the, there are several twists, but the big one, of course, after um, many, many unsuccessful attempts to have sex with Kelly McDonald and the realization that he is, in fact, falling in love with her, it is revealed that she's actually a mentally ill patient who believes herself to be a doctor and pretends to be a doctor, but who does idolize Victor's mother 
and has made up a lot of stories along the way. Right. And we could get into maybe what some of her crazy stories are. But when I say that the, the twist really, really didn't work for me, and first of all, this is this is a typically Poloniak-type twist in that it happens almost at the end. It's about mm-hmm. four-fifths of the way through the movie or something. There's very, very little of the movie left after we find out this major rug pull that the woman that we thought was sort of holding everything together and, you know, trying to save the mother's life is, in fact, a fellow nut on the on the mental ward. And I just I don't I don't like the way these kind of twists work. I know that Fight Club, you know, the Poloniak novel that was made into a um, David Fincher movie is a great, great cult favorite. And people sort of love to swoon over it. But I always felt like the last third of that movie was just a complete mindfuck for the viewer. And it always made me very angry. Well, it seemed to my mind, I feel like a lot of people really loved Fight Club and love a lot of Chuck Palahniuk novels, in part, at least because of the mindfuck aspect of it. Like they. I think they hold Plotnik up to as a, some kind of superior intelligence and and enjoy being played by him in some respect. I think that they they enjoy that aspect of the novels, whereas to me, that's the most irritating thing about his writing, and that was one of the most irritating things about Fight Club, and that certainly is the most irritating thing about the twist in this movie. Knowing, finding out that Kelly McDonald's character is not a doctor, but is in fact a crazy patient who is just as crazy as everyone else in this crazy world is not does not advance the plot, and it does not reveal some sort of unfor un previously unknown aspect of the themes of this movie, it simply feels like a gotcha for no particular purpose. Well, the worst thing about that kind of twist to me, and if you remember the twist in Fight Club, of course, was that this, you know, kind of demonic friendship that had been going on the whole time between Brad Pitt and Ed Norton was actually an internal conflict and that Ed Norton was both people at the same time. And, you know, rather than sort of feeling like, as you say, that something new is revealed, it just, it feels to me that the emotional stakes have been lowered, you know, that you've been invited to care about the whole time. And that was what bugged me the most about Choke, too. I mean, we should stipulate that the movie, I think, has lots of charm and, you know, it has individual scenes that are quite funny. It has wonderful performances by Angelica Houston and Sam Rockwell, and they kind of managed to keep the whole thing afloat despite this basic tonal problem. But I just couldn't decide how much to care about this movie. You know, I mean, you're sort of scoffing your way along at all the absurdities. We haven't even mentioned some of the some of the ridiculous things, like the idea that he's a half clone of Jesus Christ, Sam Rockwell's right, character, right. because his mother somehow had herself impregnated by a I don't know, a clone taken from the sacred foreskin or something like that. Despite her frequent claims that um, he was actually born of a traveling salesman from Norway with Tourette's syndrome. And so it's full of those kind of like, I guess, I don't know what you'd call them exactly, but these sort of quirky, manic, sort of vaguely postmodern, you know, novelistic details, things that are supposed to make you feel somehow displaced or held at arm's length from the narrative. Well, this is just a, a crazy fantasy that couldn't really happen. But as soon as the movie wants to invite you in for some emotional scene, be it, you know, the mother's death or the redemption of Sam Rockwell, the sex addict, when he falls in love with Kelly McDonald, then suddenly you're, you're invited to come in, wringing out your hanky, and suddenly caring about these people. And that made me feel really played. Right. And in that way, Fight Club, for, for all the reasons that I sort of hated it, is in many ways a more successful movie than Choke, only because it, it doesn't even really ever attempt to woo you in that way. It is an object, and it's an object meant to wow you in a way that this movie isn't. This movie is really sort of desperately attempting to form a human connection, just as Victor is all the way through the movie. It's true. It's a lot like Victor. It's a very, very needy movie. You know, it's this movie that wants everything. It wants to be laughed at, and then it wants to be entertaining, and it wants to be, you know, sort of tragic by by turns, and it it just expects the viewer to be dragged along in all of this without being very generous in return and giving us much to hold on to. It wants to be deep, but it also wants to be dirty and shallow and, and... 
and it certainly is one of the few movies I can think of in recent memory whose climactic redemptive scene for the protagonist involves him shitting all over a police station floor. Oh yeah, there's some there's some really bad gross out humor. Should we do a couple of raunch spoilers before we wrap <laughs> up? Because it is a movie largely about sex. It's actually strangely non explicit in the sense that you don't see very much nudity at all. There aren't sort of you know the cut to something gross kind of scenes that you know a Farrelly Brothers comedy say would, right. would try to get away with. But, but it does have a lot of sort of I guess for lack of a better term Polani or perhaps Polani Yucky uh, moments in which bodily taboos are are violated in in mind or in voice at least as a way of sort of advancing the Polani Yucky view of the world as a world of squalor yet also squalorous beauty and so you know Sam Rockwell gets a bunch of Benoit balls stuck in his ass for the last third of the movie and eventually shits them out in an explosive cathartic moment and um, there are a number of semi-gruesome sex scenes there's Joel Grey uh, as a sex addict talking about the tranny hooker who beat his face in I have what to say though I love Joel Grey's performance in that little momentary cameo I thought yeah. it was one of the few moments of any real emotional depth in the movie it definitely is all of a piece with the sort of chuck Palahniuk style of 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 attempting to distance us in some way with these with narrative tricks or with gross out humor or with scatology but while also trying to draw us in to embrace his sort his view of a character in need of love do you think this movie has any possibility of becoming a, a cult hit the way that fight club did i mean it's not as big a movie and it's not as sort of obviously violent and, you know, overtly manly of a movie, but do you think it, it could attract the same kind of gold audience? It feels like the kind of movie that will be gleefully watched 20 years from now by, like, stoners in college, but not the kind of movie that anyone's going to be writing Kaeda Cinema articles about in 2020. Even giving it a 20-year lifespan feels pretty generous. Well, I mean, it has a lot of boobs. And it has, I mean, it has a, it has some really very funny jokes. I mean, I don't mean to shortchange the jokes in this movie, many of which are quite good. And a lot of that comes from the performance of Sam Rockwell, and that's something I'd love to talk about a little bit, which is to say, you talked, you mentioned briefly that Sam Rockwell and Angelica Houston both give really good performances. In fact, a lot of the acting in this movie is really quite good. Even Kelly McDonald saddled with the, the most unfortunate part Oh, her remember. role makes no sense whatsoever. Oh, yeah. The poor woman, she, her, none of her motivations are even vaguely credible. In a career time. full of really thankless parts, this might be the most thankless of Kelly McDonald's career. But, but she does very well, and everyone is really good. But Sam Rockwell really holds this movie together to the extent that I can't imagine how how insufferable this movie would have been with literally anyone else in the lead role. I mean, I, don't, I can't think of anyone else who could sort of pull off both the comedy and the pathos of this movie as well as Sam Rockwell does, as difficult as that is. I mean, I can't imagine anyone pulling off the scene like the one in which a woman opens the door of an air, of an airplane bathroom and Sam Rockwell is sitting there looking sad and naked. And she goes in and has sex with him. Could anyone else actually look sad, naked, and alluring as Sam Rockwell does? Well, we were saying just thank the Lord it wasn't Ed Norton in this role because he would have brought the whole thing into a sort of gloomy existential realm that would not have done this movie any service. Right. Or I could, you know, on the other side of things, I could see Jim Carrey giving one of his sad clown performances and he's pulled it off from time to time. But I just don't think he could have pulled it off in this movie. Like it's very, it's a very difficult balance to have. And Sam Rockwell is an actor who I think a lot of people have really loved for a long time. Certainly I've loved him for a long time time and I've always desperately wished that he would get the kind of leading role that could really break him out and clearly I think in taking this role he too has thought finally here's a role that sort of plays to my various strengths and 
if there's one thing that's going to come out of this movie, I mean, I don't think this is the great role Sam Rockwell has been looking for, but I do think it might get him the great role he's been looking for. You know, I think other directors are going to watch this movie and as annoyed as they may be with it, they're going to see hopefully what Sam Rockwell can do and put him in something great. Well, that would be one redeeming and saving grace of a movie all about redemption. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Dan, for joining me on this late spoiler special. Thanks very much. For Slate.com, I'm Dana Stevens. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.